Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode of today. So in today's episode, I want to be talking about the idea of replaying scenarios in your head. Another way of looking at this is ruminating thoughts. But it's this idea, and I get asked quite often, and a lot of the time it comes down to relationships and interactions you've had with people, but it can also be missed opportunities. It could also be when you failed at something, when you feel like you fell short or you could have done something better. And it's this, you replay the scenario again and again and again and again, and you find yourself stuck in a loop. You can't break out of it. You're like, I just don't want to think about this anymore. So I'm going to explain to you firstly, what exactly is ruminating thoughts? Like, what does it mean? What is it? Then I'm going to talk about why it happens or why it's more likely to happen to some people versus versus other people, depending on your past situations. And then I'm going to give you some little tools on how to grab these thoughts when they're happening and turn it around so it, you can do something a bit more productive with that thought. You kind of nip it in the bud and it doesn't turn into this avalanche where you feel like you're stuck in this endless loop this cycle, okay? Because it is normal to have thoughts come into your mind that you don't want to think about. That is normal. So if you're someone that's sitting here thinking, I always have ruminating thoughts and I can never stop thinking about it, this happens to everyone. But what I'm trying to get you to do is when this happens, what can I do about it? How do I intercept it? How do I minimize this? Okay? Because I don't believe that it's going to be beneficial to be like, just think happy thoughts or just don't think about it. You'll get to a place where you'll never be anxious. That's bullshit. Everyone experiences anxiety. Everyone experiences these things. It's the difference between people that are overall a lot more calmer and carefree versus those who aren't is that these people likely have, well, A, a different uh, you know life experience that's caused them to not go down that path or B, they've got the tools at their disposal that when they start feeling this way, they can do something about it. They can intercept it and change it and they feel a lot better. And that could be you. Okay. So we all can do something about these ruminating thoughts. So let's talk about it. Rumination. So it's this idea of replaying scenarios in your head. It's thinking of something repetitively. It's dwelling on them. It's dwelling on these negative thoughts, constantly thinking about what caused the negative event what could cause a negative event, and also thinking about the consequences of this negative event on repeat. So the main issue with this, you know, replaying scenarios, ruminating thoughts, is that it pushes you into fixation, this fixation on the bad, on the negative. It highlights what's gone wrong and it makes it harder for you to put things into perspective or give as much attention to the good things versus the bad things happening in your life. So you end up, you know, magnifying or highlighting all the negative things and then all the good things you're kind of like yeah well you know maybe you know oh that yeah it's kind of like an outlier that's oh that's not the common thing for me but the bad this is happening all the time this is really taking over my life and it's difficult to put it into perspective ruminating is also a lot worse in people with anxiety and depression it is a symptom of ocd it's a symptom of generalized anxiety disorder as well and also other forms of dis- um, anxiety disorders and depression. And this can be chronic, this ongoing thing 
for you, but it can also be acute. So for example, if you're going through a high stress, rough patch in your life and you're someone that normally has never had these ruminating thoughts, sometimes accumulation of stress in many different areas of your life can lead you to these ruminating thoughts because you're more on edge, you're more anxious, you're probably, your mood is down, you're likely to have maybe depressive thoughts and therefore you're more likely to kind of fall into this rumination. So some people actually are quite surprised when they experience it for the first time if they haven't experienced it in the past because it's quite intense and it feels like it absolutely takes over your day because it does. The APA, the American Psychological Association, calls it obsessional thinking involving excessive repetitive thoughts or themes that interfere with other forms of mental activity. Now, there's different types of ruminating. So I'm going to go through them. And a lot of people have more than one. If you're somebody that has these repetitive thoughts, these ruminating thoughts, replaying scenarios all the time, you might think about all four of them, be like, yeah, I do all of them. Or maybe it's just one. So the first one is intrusive thoughts. It feels like it's this uncontrollable thought that's linked to an event or something that stresses you out. And it feels like you have no control. And once that thought comes in, it's really hard to snap out of it. You feel like a bit of a hostage to your thoughts, intrusive thoughts. Okay. And then because of that, you're like, well, I didn't bring it on. I was just doing something. And all of a sudden this thought appeared and I have no control of it. It's really intense. And that's when I start to ruminate. The next one is deliberate. So that is where you actively will circle back and think about something to really try and understand it. So for example, you could be sitting down, having a conversation with someone, semi-distracted, and then you're like, I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to try and look at that person's profile again. And then when you start looking at the profile, I'm going to read their messages again. What was their last message that they sent to me? No, I'm sure I can read something into it this time. But if I scroll up, what about, but what were they saying two weeks ago? But why did this thing fall apart? So that's deliberate. You are taking yourself down that rabbit hole. You're trying to gain a level of understanding. You're trying to kind of crack the mystery of whatever it is that's going on. So you can really see it from every single possible angle inside, which I'm going to, I'm going to explain more of this later, this, this need to resolve or, you know, find the answer. The next one is brooding. And that is where you think about your current situation in a negative way. You think about the things that you've done wrong. You think about what's currently going wrong for you. So it's not necessarily focusing on just one thing, whether it be I got fired for this thing and it's so unfair and then why did I, or that person got promoted over me or that person ghosted me, whether it's one thing versus brooding where you're like, everything's going wrong for me. If I can fail that thing, this person didn't say hi to me this morning. I must, I must, they must hate me. And then, you know, that cab went right past me and I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. And then, and then, and then, so you then start like adding and adding and adding and adding of everything that's going wrong. So then you become this ball of what feels like negative, just negative vibe, negative energy. And it's really hard to break out of that. And then you just keep bringing in, drawing in more of the same negativity. Then the last one is reflection, which is where you start to fixate on your own feelings which this can be done in a healthy way and also in an unhealthy way. Reflection can be a very, very helpful tool. And I will touch on that as a tool, but sometimes without insight, we'll just think back at our feelings and I'm feeling this way and then it just brings on more of the feelings. So I'm going to give you some tools to use reflection in a really productive way. Of course, as I said, it's got the ability to, you know, bring on depression and anxiety, but also it's going to increase your overall stress. It's going to lead to chronic stress, which then will cause sleep problems. It impacts your ability to process emotions better. 
the reason for that being is that when you're in this highly emotional state, this reactive state, you are less likely to feel that connection between your reasoning centers in the brain. Okay. And so when you have less connection between your reasoning centers and your emotional centers, then you're going to kind of fly off the handlebars and you're going to be highly, highly emotional. You're going to really struggle to process things in a really calm and measured way. When you're able, like I said in recent episodes, this idea of name it, tame it, bringing the logical mind in to intercept the emotional mind, that allows you to process your emotions a lot better. We need multiple regions of the brain to help us process our emotions and not just sit in this fear or anger-based state, which is just going to exist exacerbate the feeling that you're feeling right now. Okay. So that is why it's going to impact your ability to process emotions because you're staying in this emotional state without bringing in your reasoning as well. And then of course, for that same reason, it impacts your focus. It impacts your ability to think clearly. It makes depression worse. And then of course, it's going to affect your health in other areas. And then interestingly, it increases impulse behaviors And it also increases the likelihood of substance abuse, which in a way makes sense. When you're feeling quite down and low and you feel stuck, you are more likely to try and find external things to pacify this negative feeling. So that's why I say that it makes sense because when you feel down, what are you more likely to do? Are you more likely to, you know, go for a walk outside or or pick up your phone and go into social media? the social media. Um, are you more likely to, after a stressful day, think, well, I'm going to try and like really calmly unwind or are you going to go and have a couple of glasses of, of your favorite alcohol? You know, so this is why it's going to increase impulsivity because you're like, I need to snap out of this. I need to snap out of this. I can't seem to do it on my own. I'm going to reach for this behavior. I'm going to reach for this distraction. I'm going to reach for these things. That is why it's going to be increasing the likelihood of impulsive behaviors. And again, for another reason, on a, on a neurological level or a brain level, because you're not using your logical mind or your your reasoning mind to intercept with your emotions, then you become more impulsive and reactive as well. So it's all emotional, emotional, emotional. Now, These are ways that it can play out. You could be going over an argument, a breakup. You could go over the same scenario to see what went wrong. You're replaying past events and you're replaying encounters with someone in your mind again and again and again to try and find clues like where did I fuck up? What did I do wrong? When did their face expression change? What changed here? Why don't they like me anymore? What have I done? You're also stressing about something happening in the future and then revisiting these thoughts again and again and again. Well, this person ghosted me now. Now the next person's going to ghost me. And now how do I know? Now this person said a date, but they haven't told me the time yet. It's been three hours and they, and you just start to panic about something happening in the future because you've experienced it or something like it in the past. And this fear starts to like brew bigger and bigger. Now, why do you do it? Why do you do it? It's firstly, it is normal to want to know what went wrong. That's completely understandable. We have a desire and a curiosity to know what went wrong. And for the most part, so we don't do it again if we're the ones that fucked up. And if we really liked someone, of course, it's normal to be like, well, why did it end? That's okay. That's perfectly normal. It's not saying someone ghosted you, just, you know, oh, it's nothing. I'll just walk away. It's fine. It's going to affect you. But, A lot of us think that we're being self-aware when we reflect back on the past. But the problem is that many of us miss 
the self-awareness part and we end up just ruminating because a lot of the time we struggle to see where we went wrong or when something went wrong because you're only seeing it from one perspective. You're seeing it either from your view and not seeing where you went wrong or you're seeing it from the perspective of imagining that the person that you were dealing with or the situation, that that person or those people would process an event the way you would process an event or would treat someone the way you would treat someone. So again, even if they're the ones in the wrong, you're still seeing it from your perspective thinking, but you know, you know, I would never do that to somebody. So like, I just don't understand. Yeah, but you would never do that to somebody. Someone else would. Okay. So it's this idea of it's re- when you, when you are trying to be really self-aware, you have to get yourself out of yourself and watch yourself without bias. That's very difficult to do. You can learn it, but you've got to be constantly reminding yourself, remove the bias. Where is my bias? So hard to identify where your bias is, especially if you've never done it before and to really put yourself in someone's position. And as if you're watching yourself, not being yourself, that's really hard to do if you've never done it. And a huge part of human interaction is the fact that others experience the same event in a different way to how you experience it. And I mentioned this, I think in a recent episode, or maybe it was in my, I don't know, I've got this membership as well that people pay for. And I could have been there, it could have been in the podcast, I don't know. But I was heavily talking about this idea that everything in life, your whole experience is is painted with how you interpret an event and your mood will paint how that event gets interpreted. So if I'm in a shitty mood, a really shitty mood, and someone does something, it's going to piss me off. They're the most annoying person in the world. I can't handle them. How dare you breathe so loudly? I fuck you. That if I'm in a great mood, someone next to me could be like, that person's breathing so loudly. I'm so annoyed. And I'm like, I'd never even noticed. Didn't even realize I'm having a great time. That person's so lovely. Why would you say that? You know, it's because I'm in a good mood. So I'm interpreting everything differently. So you've also got to think of the mood that I'm in changes how I interpret an event. And also the mood that that person in is in will change how they interpret an event. So when you ruminate or when you think back and you're saying, I'm reflecting, are you reflecting and breaking it apart? Or are you thinking like, where, why, where, why, but only seeing it from your perspective? Now, why do we do it? People that have a history of trauma growing up, as in neglect or abuse, that's really common, like this insecure attachment or disorganized attachment. I have a whole episode on attachment theory. So go check. It's, It's titled Attachment Theory, Not Attachment Styles. So go check that out they are more likely to do to have these ruminating thoughts because it's this fear-based approach feeling that um, they may not be deserving of love or love isn't consistent or that the world may not be generally a safe and kind place. So they are more likely to be primed to feel this way. You might also do it because you think that ruminating will give you answers to a problem instead of thinking, what if I actually am more self-aware and crack this apart and look at it without well, with as little bias as possible. You also have stress in your life that you can't control. And so you feel that by doing this, it's going to give you more control. Okay. And then you also might think that you have the ability to solve it just by thinking it over and over and over and the answer will eventually come. Sometimes what we really struggle with is the fact that there are many things in life we will never get the answer to. A lot of people refuse to be okay with that. They refuse to believe that. Refuse. Even to the extent of like, I've been barraged by people, both 
atheists and religious people, when I say I just really don't know the answer, I mean, yeah, I call myself an atheist, but maybe I'm more of an agnostic. But they're like, but you have to like, you have to know, you have to. And I'm like, how can't, how would I know? I don't know. And then like people just can't fathom that I'm okay with not really having the answer. And then they'll be like, but this, but that, but what about this? But where's your proof? And I'm like, I'm fine with not having an answer. I don't give a fuck. I'm fine with not having an answer. But a lot of people need an answer. They need an answer for everything. And until they have the answer, they cannot move on. But life won't give you all the answers. And you have to learn to exist in the most productive and happiest way possible. Sans answer. Without the answer, it's possible. And it's actually liberating when you can say, I don't need the answer anymore. I don't need the answer. I've reflected back in an unbiased or as unbiased as possible. I've taken the lessons that I can take from this. There's a lot of mystery here, but I can't uncrack it because 50% of this mystery has to do with somebody else and I'm not in their head. So it's done. But that's where that's why people ruminate because they struggle to move on without an answer. When you do this, you're more likely to also focus on negative events and feel like you are responsible for the negative event or that you are to blame for the negative event, okay? So, and then because of that, you're going to look at more situations in your life through a negative event. You're going to be more fearful, more stressed, more anxious. You're going to feel hopeless. You're going to be pessimistic. Someone who is who ruminates, who has this anxious approach, is going to walk past someone on the street and that person glances and then looks away and they're like, and you, and let's say you know them, they're an acquaintance. You're like, oh my God, they avoided me. They avoided me. They, this, that, da, 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 and, and they start, but why? Why would they avoid me? Why are they such an asshole? What did I ever do to them? Then you start getting really like, that was so rude. I would never be that rude. And how could they? Then there's people like me. And if I'm lucky enough to recognize someone, because I've got self-diagnosed prosopagnosia where I swear to God, I cannot fucking recognize half the faces that I know. So I walk past someone and then if if I recognize them, we'll they'll glance and if they didn't recognize me, I'm like, "Oh my god, I wonder if they've got I wonder if their facial recognition recognition is as shit as mine." So that's how I approach it. I, I the last thing I'm going to do is be offended. I'd probably be like, "Oh shit, if someone saw me and then ran away from me, I'd be like, something's fucking up, I wonder. And then I'd start probably like really going over and questioning why that could have happened. But in general, you'll look at a potentially neutral stimulus and depending on how you approach these things and if you ruminate and if you're anxious around your attachment style, will determine how you will process that event. So what I'm trying to say here is that there's going to be a lot of neutral events that will occur in your life. And if you are a ruminator, if you are someone that replays scenarios in your head a thousand times, you might take that event and paint it with the brush that is biased towards your experiences in your life in the past. Okay. So you're going to think they're avoiding me. They hate me. If someone doesn't reply to your message, do you think they're annoyed at you? Or do you think this person must be busy? They've got fucking shit on. If someone doesn't rock up to an event when they say they would, do you think they're avoiding me? Or do you think, I wonder what happened to them? Are they okay? What's your initial reaction? Because a lot of people, before even thinking, fuck, what could have happened for them not to be here? They're going to be like, they're avoiding me. They hate me. That's so rude. They hate me. Why did I even come here? I'm so, so a lot of it comes down to what is my initial response to something? And you learn a lot about yourself when you realize, wow, my initial response is a knee jerk. I've been rejected. They're angry at me. I've done something wrong. I'm an idiot for even asking them. I shouldn't have presumed that they would do this. Why did I think that they would? And then that teaches you a lot. You're like, wow, that is my initial thought for a lot of things. 
And it's a good thing to understand that because the moment you can understand that, it's actually a weight lifted off your chest. It's like, that's actually just a thought, which means that like the chances of that being the, 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 the reality in every situation is just impossible. So that makes you realize, wait a minute, this is just my interpretation of an experience. It's not the reality. There's one person's experience, there's the other person's experience, and then there's reality, which might sit in the middle or it might sit closer to either side, depending. So try and think about when you feel this the most in your life. If you're somebody who's quite anxious around groups and you rocked up to you know, your friend's lunch and they seemed a little bit quiet and two of them were kind of laughing about something, you're like, what are you laughing about? But they were laughing so much that they didn't hear you say it. And then they turned, they're like, oh, sit down. And then you felt just off for the whole lunch. So then you retreat. And then they're like, are you okay? And you're like, I'm fine. Are you guys okay? Like you guys were just laughing. I asked what was up. And anyway, it becomes this really awkward encounter. You leave that lunch and you're like, everyone's fucking, everyone hates me, everyone. And you just start to ruminate. When there could be a thousand explanations for why that lunch felt off. Maybe these people had an inside joke and they just didn't even think to tell you. Maybe they were also off as well. Maybe they thought that you were in a mood and so they were trying to tiptoe around your feet. There's always a thousand reasons why an encounter could have been weird or awkward, but we will often lean into the worst case scenario as our knee-jerk reaction. And we do this out of fear. We do this out of you know, a need to protect ourselves from getting rejected. But ultimately, all of this comes down to a need and a desire for security. The only reason you're replaying something in your head a thousand times is because you think that an answer, a solution, will make you feel safe, will make you feel secure. But unfortunately, like I said earlier, because we can't read minds and because we act differently to how other people act and we can't expect other people to treat someone else or behave in a certain way in the same way that we do, unfortunately, you're, you, for a lot of things in your life, you're never going to get the answer. Or you might think you have the answer, but you've actually interpreted it in a completely incorrect way. So we then have to think, how do I get my sense of security elsewhere? Because when I start to ruminate, what can I do? Like, what do I do? So let's talk about that. The first thing you need to do is say, okay, am I ruminating or am I analyzing? Because they're two completely different things. Ruminating is you're only looking at it from your perspective. You're getting really worked up. You're starting to, and just the initial thought of, am I ruminating or am I, just that question alone will take the edge off. And the reason for that is because you've brought in your logical reasoning, your awareness, you're aware of the situation. You're not doing this subconscious in your head where you kind of get like, get swept away. You instantly named it to tame it. You name it to tame it. That alone gets your brain regions communicating a lot better. You're a little bit calmer. Just the noting makes you a bit calmer. You think, okay, yeah, true, true, true. Okay, let's bring myself into the moment. That alone will stop the spiraling. You'll still be thinking about it, but you're not going to be thinking like attracts like worse, 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 worse. You've, you've paused it. You've shed the light. The darkness is gone. You shed the light. Okay. Now that you've shed the light, that's step one. Step two, now you process the question. Have I, am I just going around and around and around seeing it from my perspective or am I analyzing it? Let's analyze it. Let's break it open. Is it possible? Is it possible that this person was going through their own thing and I've interpreted their, their behavior in a different way? Yes or no? For a lot of things, the answer will be yes. If someone's yelling and screaming at you, I hate you, I'm so angry that you did this, then the answer is going to be no, like it's very clear that this person's angry at me. Okay. 
But a lot of the times you're going to be like, yeah, it's possible. Is it possible that they were really stressed and they didn't realize that they were coming across as really blunt or cold or rude? Yeah, that's possible too. So you start asking yourself, is it possible for X, Y, Z to have occurred and me to have interpreted it in a different way? So that's a really good way to start to analyze things. Then you start to ask yourself, is it possible that this person snapped and didn't mean it and they just needed, you know, they just, they overreacted. Yeah, that's also possible. So you start thinking, okay, well, I've also overreacted in the past. I've also snapped in the past. You know, maybe it could be you heard that someone said something about you behind your back. Have I ever said something about someone behind their back? Probably, probably. And when I said it, did I absolutely hate that person and did I want the worst from them? No. Sometimes we get carried away talking about people. Not that I'm, I'm not I'm not recommending you gossip about people, but I'm saying the reality of life is that sometimes people get carried away. Gossip is always interesting. You put in your two cents and then someone hears what you said and you feel so fucking awful because you're like, oh, I don't know why I said that and I never would have wanted to get back to them. I was just got swept up. I feel awful. So when you sometimes hear something that someone says about you, sometimes you think, Oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. They must think this. But then also you think, well, maybe they just got carried away in the conversation. Do they actually, it doesn't mean they hate me. Like if someone asked me, I saw this question of like, would you rather know if someone's bitch, like all the bad things someone said about you or all the people that like you? I'd never want to know the bad things people have said about me because I reckon that a lot of the time it would just, my interpretation of what they said would be so loaded instead of just realizing that people vent, people say shit. It's not my business. I'd rather not know, you know? So once you've done that, then ask yourself, what in this was in my control versus what wasn't in my control? Then ask yourself, can something be done to make this situation better that is within my control? So, for example, if you know that you snapped at someone and then they reacted badly, you can do something about it. You can reach out to them. Sometimes there's nothing that can be done, okay, at all, and that's fine. It's just you're just awareness, awareness, awareness. Then you want to ask yourself, if not, can I take a lesson from this so next time I can go about it differently. And a lot of the time, the answer is, yeah, you can take a lesson in how you interpret it. If I rock up to a date and someone's ghosted me, instead of thinking I'm an idiot, I'm the worst person in the world, I'm this, my personal interpretation would be like, wow, I'd never ghost someone. That's quite rude to disrespect someone's time like that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think I must be a fucking idiot. I'm the worst person in the world. I'm this. I just think that person either, hopefully something bad hasn't happened to them. And if something bad hasn't happened to them, that's pretty rude. And then I'm not going to be reaching out to them. If they reach out to me with a legitimate excuse, I'll be like, well, yeah, there we go. I thought something bad might have happened to them and it did. Versus if they completely ghost me, then I'm like, well, fucking, you took your, the, the trash took itself out. Okay. And then lastly, ask yourself, is there another thing that could explain why this went down that, that shows me that I actually don't have all the answers to it? And I gave many examples of this before already in this episode. You're going to realize that there's many different things that will explain why something happened the way it happened um, or many different possibilities. And you don't have to be the one who was at fault or who has the answer or who knows the definitive reason why something went down the way it went down. Now, I'm going to give you a bunch of things that you can tell yourself just to wrap up the episode, a bunch of things that you can tell yourself so you can feel a lot just calmer around these situations. The first one is I'm okay with not having all the answers. You want to remind yourself of that every day. I'm, and I am okay with not having all the answers. I've gotten this far. How many times have I gone through something where I actually didn't have the answers? A thousand times. So I legitimately am okay with not having all the answers. I just need to remind myself of that. The next one is not everyone feels and thinks the way I do. Not everyone feels and thinks the way I do. Remind yourself of that when you have an altercation, when you think some, something's gone wrong. 
And then the next one is, it's okay for things to not be in my control. It's happened many times before and I'm fine. It is okay for things not to be in my control. You're only trying to control what you can control and that's it. And then the last one is to remind yourself of moments where you have felt confidence within yourself. That's one of the best ways to bring on that feeling again. When do I feel the most confident? When do I feel really comfortable in my own skin? When do I feel great? Just that reminder alone then brings on similar feelings of that feeling. Then you think, well, maybe I should go and do that exercise where I feel really confident. Maybe when I get outside, when I talk to these certain friends or when I jump up and down 10 times, it changes my mood. So always be reminding yourself, like, when do I feel most happy and comfortable in my own skin and do more of the same? Okay. Then, of course, there's a whole bunch of other things that you can do that's going to help you. For example, distraction is one where you're at the height. When you're at the height of feeling awful, I recommend you do just a little distraction task like play solitaire, maybe try and read a book, maybe give someone a call just so to talk yourself off the ledge if you find it really difficult to intercept. And then once you're a little bit calmer, then you can analyze properly without being so emotional. The next one is journaling. Write everything down on paper, get it out of your mind and onto paper. It's kind of like the same therapeutic thing of when you write a letter to someone that you don't even intend to send. That is, It feels so good just to get your feelings out on paper. So put it all down. And then sometimes when you've put it down, it helps you reason a lot better as you do that. And then, of course, the last one, just more meditation. Meditate a few minutes a day, a couple of nice deep breaths to center yourself when you calm your nervous system down, when you're feeling heightened and stressed. Just do three deep breaths, okay? And that's actually going to make you simmer down. You feel a lot better. And meditation in general is going to help connect your brain regions of like your reasoning and your emotional centers overall, not just in the moment, but overall. So that's always going to be more of a long-term approach and a solution to ruminating thoughts, but it's also going to help in the moment when you do some breaths to calm down your nervous system. Guys, hopefully that gave you a little bit of insight into ruminating thoughts, replaying scenarios in your head. Hopefully you're like, yes, that's me. And and I can see that there is a solution for this. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Love you guys so much. Shout out to all my global and local beans. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke. Listener.